0: Prophetic vision. We're going to the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah's quite a guy. He's been around the block. And so I'm going to have you turn to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to read the first eight verses. We'll have it on the screen so you can see it. We'll stay in Isaiah uh, and a couple of other places. But we're going to see some things, then, uh, quite frankly, in Developing this message, uh, I found things that I never noticed before. I've not preached this anywhere before, by the way. Uh, I'm starting, starting you with you. Uh, all that other stuff is old, and let's start with new, fresh stuff. So Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8 says this, In the year of King Uzziah's death. Now, remember, when we read, we look, we take pictures, we ask questions. We need to check attitude. We need to dig. We need to read between the lines. Something is going on very dramatically in these first eight verses. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. This is Isaiah talking. Okay? I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Get a picture? I'm seeing something that I haven't seen before. Okay? Seraphim stood above him. Each having six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. So we've got some angels in this scene, okay? And one of the seraphims called out to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. You've got to get some pictures here. You got to, okay? Then I said, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, okay? He touched my mouth with it And said, Behold, this coal has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. Remember the words, the timeline words, then, when? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. What a portion of Scripture. There are some key issues that we need to see and understand to bring this to light. And the first issue is that the king is dead. King Uzziah is dead. The politicians are dead. Hello? We need to understand who's on the throne. The king is dead, and the Scripture will tell you that Uzziah was not a bad king. Okay? Isaiah is the prophet to all of Israel, but his boss, the king, is dead. And Israel has a problem. Chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Israel has a serious problem. They don't care about Uzziah, he's dead. They don't care about the prophet Isaiah because he's not telling them what they want to hear. So listen to what Israel is doing, okay? They're turning their backs on God. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah, Jerusalem, which he saw during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah. This is, this is Isaiah talking. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks... Sons, I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. This is God talking through the prophet. An ox knows his owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. We have a problem in Israel. Isaiah is there. He recognizes the problem because it's affecting him too. Okay? Israel has, is turning their back on God. And God doesn't like it and is very, very plain in his description of what they're doing. And he's plain in his description because he wants them to know he knows what they're doing. Now you can say nice things about all kinds of people. But if you really want somebody to know that you know, then you start looking people in the eye. Am I right, Jason? God's looking the nation in the eye, and he's saying to them, I know what you're doing. And it's not right. So Isaiah is dealing with the problem with Israel in the same chapter verses 18 through 20. Listen to what God says now, okay? Same chapter. Come now, God's trying to reason. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, how how nasty are your sins? Though your sins are as scarlet, that's red. They will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If, don't you love those words? If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But, I love these words, if and but, if and but. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I think we need to make some choices about the ifs and the buts. And this is where Isaiah is with Israel right now. He's lost the king. He's got a problem. He's not sure what to do. He knows what's going on in the nation spiritually, because he is the prophet. He knows God doesn't like it. So what does God do for Isaiah to answer his problem? What will God do for you to answer your problem? As far as I'm concerned, you're just as important to God as Isaiah was. Somebody say amen. Well, I look around, maybe one or two of you aren't, but no, 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 no. no. And I wasn't looking at you, Gary. I always speak <laughs> on Gary because he knows I love him. What's going on in your life that is so problematic that God needs to do something for it? God needs to come along. Well, let's go back to verses 1, 2, and 3 of, the, of, of Isaiah 6 so that you see it. He's dealing with the problem of Israel. And in the process of him dealing with this, he says, Uzziah is dead. And now that Uzziah is dead, something is happening to me. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Isaiah sees this. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty, exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. What does God do for Isaiah? God gives him a glimpse of the Lord. I saw the Lord, okay? What do we need when we're going through problems? We need a glimpse of something that will change what we're looking at to something we should be looking at. Because the problem is drawing us away from our focus on God. Somebody say amen. We do have problems. They happen. Listen, there's not a person in this room that hasn't gone through some things in in their lifetime. And that will draw us away from our perspective of God and our view of God, and God knows that. So he says, I'm going to let something happen to Isaiah. I'm going to let him see the Lord, exalted, lofty, and the train of his robe is filling the temple. What does he see? He sees something that is totally different than what he's accustomed to. His spiritual eyes are suddenly opened. And he sees Jesus on the throne. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He sees Jesus on the throne, and Jesus is not born yet. Is it possible that what we need to deal with our problem is yet to be born. I'm not talking about natural birth. Is it possible that we are so far off in what we're doing, in terms of what we should be doing, that in order to correct us and bring us back in line, that we need to see something that doesn't exist right now in our life? I saw the Lord sitting. He sees Jesus Sitting on the throne, he's exalted, he is high, and the train of his robe is filling the temple. And guess what? The angels are worshiping him. And what did they say in verse 3? The angels are shouting and doing wonderful things. And one called out to the other, This is the message from the angels Holy, holy, holy. Please write that down somewhere in your mind, in your spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled. No, no, just some of the earth is filled with His glory. Some of us are living like God's glory is only minuscule. A little bit here, a little bit there. If I need it, maybe I run over here to the closet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And His glory fills the earth. Are you there? <clears throat> the message is this. The message, and we need to hear this, beloved. The message is the holiness of God. I don't think I've shared this, this with you, because I've only been with you three weeks. <clears throat> Before my wife passed away, my habit of praying and my time of praying would be, when I go to bed, I don't think I shared this with you, you know, my wife would just hit the sack Man, her head hit the pillow, she was asleep. I hated that. And I'd lay down, and thank God she didn't snore. Every once in a while she snorted, snorted just a little bit. And I'm laying down, and it's my time to pray. Okay, I'll accept that. Waking up in the morning would be the same thing, Gary. I'd be lying in bed, and I'm awake. And at those moments of times, very quiet, I begin to just talk to God. Just talk to God. And I got in the habit of waking up and saying, God, you're holy. I don't know where that came from. It it came, God, you're holy. God, you're holy. And every morning I would get up, God, you're holy. And I would keep that in my spirit, and it would function in my life, God, you're holy. About two or three days after my wife passed away, I woke up alone. And I was saying, God, you're holy. And all of a sudden, it changed. And I said, God, your holiness. God is holiness. He's it. Do you understand that? I mean, I may, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> <coughs> I may say to Rick, oh, Rick, you're a holy guy. Yeah. I, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Rick is not holiness. He doesn't have holiness to give away. God is holiness. His whole nature is holiness. And I'm praying, God, suddenly, your holiness, your holiness. And it has stuck with me till this day. The angels were yelling at the top of their lungs, God is holy, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. The message today is, for every day, for what you're going through, I don't care who you are, the message you need to hear is God is holy. He is holiness, and He has glory that just dis- floods the entire earth, and you happen to be in that earth. <coughs> Fills the whole earth. No one, no one removes Jesus from the throne. If you go to uh, chapter 14 of Isaiah, <coughs> Satan didn't like it that Jesus was on the throne. Remember, Jesus was the Lamb of God slain when? When? Before the foundations of the earth. Okay. So, we're dealing with the Lord, all right? And Satan doesn't like the fact that Jesus is on the throne. And here's what happens in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15. How, and God's talking to Satan, how you have fallen from heaven... O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. He's talking to Satan. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nation. Satan was the worship leader for heaven. His name was Lucifer. You had Michael, you had Gabriel, and you had Satan, uh, Lucifer, three archangels. And it was Lucifer's job to get you to worship and praise God. And he did all the angelic hosts would worship with him as he led them in worship. And he's saying, you have fallen from heaven, star of the morning, son of dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you, Satan, said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend, can you hear him? You hear Satan? I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, God says, <laughs> it ain't going to work today. You will be thrust down to Sheol, that's hell, to the recesses of the pit. Satan refused to realize that God is Holy. That he is holiness. He refused to realize that the whole earth was filled with the glory of God. And he wanted to be above that. And because he wanted to be above that, he wanted to kick God off the throne and become God. And God says, It ain't happening. You're done. I need to know some things. I need to know in my heart and in my spirit that God is holy. And Nick, if I know that, it causes me to watch everything I do. It causes me to think, should I be doing this or not? It causes me to have my thought pattern changed. How would God want me to be thinking? Would God want me to be doing this or would God say, you know, Rudy, I, uh, you know, why don't you just push that aside a little bit because I don't think that's what I want you to do. And how do I respond? Do I recognize his holiness? Do I recognize he's holy? And do I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Look at the power of the voice of the angel in verse 4. Unbelievable. Verse 4. And the foundations, this is the angels, these seraphims. The foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. I've heard some uh, people with some pretty loud voices during my time in the ministry. I've heard some preachers who were pretty loud. But none of them, including myself, have made the threshold of the doors shake. We don't understand the power of the angelic team that God has looking after you, looking after me. We don't understand the power that God has given to the angels. We have angels. The scripture says we have angels alongside of us, watching us. And the voice of the angels shouting out what they were shouting, Holy, Holy, Holy. The doors are shaking. The foundations of the doors are shaking. The threshold is shaking. Well, we need to understand that power. Question. What happened to Isaiah when he saw Jesus. Oh, you'll love this. Oh, and you'll understand this. okay. Verse 5. Okay. Isaiah sees this shocking, extreme picture, which he's never seen. His spiritual eyes were suddenly open. He didn't see this with these eyes. okay, But his spiritual eyes, the eyes of the Spirit, were opened up to see this magnificent scene of Jesus sitting on the throne, and these angels flying back and forth, yelling, holy, 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 the Lord God, the whole earth is filled with His glory. Verse 5 says this. This is Isaiah talking. Actually, it's Gary talking. Woe is me! Everybody say amen. Thank you. Gary's talking. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Uh, Stay with me, Gary. Don't go away. Okay. For I am, listen to him, because I am a man of unclean lips. Don't don't get mad, because I'm coming to to your rescue. I am a man of unclean lips. So are you, so am I. And the next thing Isaiah says, because Gary's right there with him, and I live among a people of unclean lips. What is Isaiah saying? Same thing Gary's saying, we're all in the same boat. We all have a problem that we need to deal with and God is the only one because of his holiness that can deal with the problem. I am a man of unclean lips is what he's saying. And all you other dudes here at New Hope are the same. So what do we do? And why is he saying this? He says, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Gary, you said that because God opened up your eyes. He would. He never would have said that unless his spiritual eyes were suddenly opened up to see his own problem. And then as you saw and I saw my own problem, we suddenly turned around and we realized we weren't alone. God opened up our eyes so that we could not only see what we needed, but what the rest of the world needed. Listen to me, New Hope. God needs to open up our eyes so that not only do we see what we need, but what this valley needs. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, Gary, he was devastated. Am I making any sense here? When you get a good look at Jesus Christ in all of his glory, and then you compare it to yourself, he was devastated. He felt ruined. He saw his own personal sin, and he saw Israel's sins. When are we going to see, don't misunderstand this statement, when are we going to see the sins that they are what they are? I'm not talking about, I should look at you and see your sin, but don't look at me and see mine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when are we going to let the Holy Spirit open up our eyes so that we see actually what is going on around us, and we take action because of what the Lord is showing us. This is what's happening to Isaiah. He sees himself. He is devastated. Not only for himself, but he is devastated for Israel. Because Israel should be better than this. It's total exposure. I've said this before, and I think I've said it here. But God showed me some other things while I was lying in bed praying. And I would say to God, and I hope you hear me, God, I can't hide anything from you. Hello? You think God is a dummy? Now, I might hide something from you, Rick. Okay? And you might hide something from me. I know you hide nothing from her, because you'd be in real trouble. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you. Very but see, we can't hide a thing from God. Zero. I can't hide my thoughts. I can't hide my actions. I can't hide my feelings about Rick or someone else. I can't hide from God. So it was total exposure. There was nothing, nothing that Isaiah could hide As a result of his revelation of Jesus Christ, he sees the king, verse 5, and he says he is the Lord of hosts. What are you seeing today? I'm not talking about when you look in the mirror. I'm asking you, what do you see today? Well, this is a revelation. There must be some importance to this revelation that Isaiah is getting, okay? And let's take a look at it. Okay. His eyes are open now. And the importance of his of this revelation is this. God is changing Isaiah's life. He's a prophet. But he is changing his life. He is changing his mission. He is changing his focus. How did this happen? We need to understand what's going on and what he sees and how he's attached to what is going on and how it's affecting him personally because the Bible tells us that that seraphim went over, and got himself a hot coal, and went right, just flew right over to Gary and smacked Gary's mouth with that hot coal, and then said to Gary, All of the garbage that you've been involved with, in, and that's all of us, all of that, that iniquity, that's what iniquity means, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. All of that stuff that you grew up with, you didn't like, you messed up here, it's gone. That hot coal hit our mouths, Gary, and the angel said, that iniquity is gone. And your sin is forgiven. Folks, that's all of us. That's every last one of us in this room. We need this revelation from God. I need my eyes opened. I need to see him in his holiness. I need to feel the hot coal, that purifying coal that that angel took off of that fire and slapped it against my lips, your lips, and purified my life so much so that everything changed within me. This is what's happening to Isaiah. He said, your iniquity is gone, your sin is forgiven. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't Isaiah a man of God? Isn't he a prophet? Yeah, but. Isn't Rudy Greco a preacher? Yeah, but. Isn't Nick a nice guy? No. Uh, yeah, but. But. See, there's a but. After every one of these things that we deal with personally, personally, And God is saying, I'll take care of the buts and the ifs in your life if you let me put that hot coal right where it belongs. And I clarify, clean and purify everything that is in you. I don't know if I ever, did I ever tell you about this cross? Did I? Oh, I don't want to tell you again then. They don't remember. Okay. Years ago when I was pastoring in California... And the during the Jesus type movement and people start wearing crosses. And I had a little six dollar stainless steel cross. It was nothing. <laughs> but I it represented something to me and I liked it. And so, you know. My wife and I took a trip to Israel. We actually took went to Israel three times. But on one of our trips, I forget which, I said to my wife, I'd like to buy a cross in Israel. This is a memento of our trip and, and what it means to me. And she says, all right, okay. So if you've ever been to Israel, anybody been to Israel besides us? Besides? If you get a chance, it's in, the, it's, it's in the cards. Okay. Well, let me tell you right now, they're going to take you to this place, this place, this place, and this place because they want you to spend money at this place, this place, this place, and this place. That's what the tour is about. How much money will you spend? So we went to jewelry stores, of course. Walked into this one jewelry store, and we went to this counter, and I saw this nice-looking cross, and it was absolute. I don't even have a. If you saw, if you see this, you'll notice this is not flat. It was absolute piece of flat gold. I mean, just skinny as can be, flat, no design on it whatsoever, and they had a little starburst right where the cross comes to you. That was it. Five hundred and some odd dollars. I went, huh? No way. Turn, we turned around and walked out. Came back home to California. Had a man in the church where we had been on staff who was a jeweler. Great jeweler. He, <laughs> the church that we were in on staff, everybody went to his jewelry store because he treated everybody good. So I went to him one day and I said, John, I said, I'd like a cross. You know, I've been blah, blah, blah. And, well, okay. And I looked at some of his catalogs and I didn't like what I saw. And then John said to me, do you have any gold? rings at home that you're not using. And I'm going, yeah. My wife, besides her wedding and engagement set, I had bought her a large wedding band for daily use. you know, And she wasn't using it. She says, take that. So I said, yeah. I said, I have my father's wedding band. He had been deceased. And my mother-in-law had given my wife her wedding and engagement set. I brought the three items of gold to John. I said, now, John, I don't want it flat. I want I want to see something. I want, to, I want you to, to make it something like, you know, never, never seen before. He says, okay, leave it with me. Well, what he didn't tell me was, in order to do this, he had to use a little fire. See, to make something change, you've got to use fire. And to make those rings change... He had to burn them. He had to heat them. He had to put them in a pot. He had to put fire on them until all of that gold melted. And then when it melted, it was in a position for him to use it like he wanted it used. He made a, he made a, 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 a mold. He carved this whole mold all by himself. I didn't tell him how to do it. He made the mold. He poured that, that molten gold into that mold and let it sit there and then shined it all up. When I went to, to get, that's what came out. It wasn't a little flat piece of gold anymore. It wasn't three rings anymore. It was a mold that he had made with his own hands. And if you'll let God, he'll take your old garbage gold He'll melt it down. He'll make the form. He'll pour what used to be into what now will be. And this is what will come out something purified by God. That's all I want. What do you want from God? Here I am, God. This is it. Five foot five, barely. Here, I am. watch your mouth. Yeah. What do I want from God? I want to see Him. I want Him to refine me. I want Him to burn off the garbage of my life. I want Him to pour that new, purified aspect of my life. I want Him to pour it into that mold that he's making for me because that mold represents what God wants for me. This ring represents what I was looking for in terms of a natural thing. But in terms of spiritual things, God's got a mold for you, for me. God's got a mold for this church. Hello. Don't you sit there quiet. You know me by now. We're in this fight together for souls in this community. That's why we're here. That's why God brought us back, okay? Because He wants to purify everything, pour us into the mold, the burning cold. Okay? The iniquity is gone, the sin is forgiven. Isaiah is now a new man, and Isaiah now has a new and mighty anointing. And I've told you many times I've had I've had people stop me and talk to me. I've talked to people at Walmart where they would sit down next to me on the bench while my wife was spending our money. And you were very good at that. And I prayed for people in Walmart, because they sat down with me. What happens when we see God? Oh, verse 8. See, he's seen him now. Okay, He's gone through the process. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Woe woe is me. I'm undone. i got dirty lips. Everybody else, He's gone through this whole process of the exposure of what is up there, Jesus Christ. Now what happens? Verse 8. Then, timeline word, after all of this happened, then, then, not before this happened, but after this happened, then I heard the voice of the Lord. Do you really expect to hear the voice of the Lord if you're not interested in being burned up like gold? Are you really, really expecting God to say, look at what I got for you. Man, I've got this deal going for you. You are going to be, uh, until you've allowed your gold that's kind of dirty to be refined. Then I heard the voice, then saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? Then I, send, then I said, Isaiah, here am I, send me. It wasn't until after Isaiah saw the reality of the vision with his spiritual eyes wide open that only then did he hear God personally talking to him, and only then did he hear God saying, I've got a job for somebody to do, I just need to find the right person to do it. And all, all of New Hope said, Amen. we've got a job to do for God as a family. If you remember something, and I hope you don't forget me when I was here before, I emphasize how important it was for this church to be a family-oriented church. Do you remember that? And you became a family church. You stood with each other. You stood behind each other. You had each other's back. You helped each other. God is looking for the strength of the family. And he is saying to me, I hear him talking. Who's going to go? Who's going to do the job? What's going to happen here? And I hear... Isaiah responding, I'm here. I'm here. God's looking. I'm almost through. Not quite. God's looking for messengers of life, folks. There are jobs to be done. And there needs to be an anointing for those jobs that need to be done. Here am I. That's what he said, verse 8. Okay, that's cool, preacher. You can say, here am I. I don't want to say, here am I, unless New Hope's going to say, here am I. Did I say that right? Because I'm back with you. For better, for worse. Here am I. And New Hope's got to say, he's right, God. God. Show us who you are so we can say, Here am I. He's looking for people who will work for him. He's looking for people who will allow him to anoint them. Send me. Send us. Why? Why? Because he's giving us a new view of what he sees happening in this valley. <clears throat> no one's going to make me believe that there were three or four Christian churches in this area. No one's going to make me believe that they should all be under 100. That that's God's will. No one, you're not going to make me believe that. Well, it's going to, turn work, going to take work. It's going to take vision. My eyes need to be open. My heart needs to be open. My gold needs to be purified. Okay? Okay. So what happened after this new anointing? Chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. See, something happened. He saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He got purified with that hot coal. He recognized what happened to him. He heard the voice of the Lord. He responded when God said, Who am I going to send? And he yelled, Here I am. Now hear what happened. This is the same prophet who really wasn't doing that great, but now listen to him. For a child will be born to us. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What did he see in that vision? He saw the Lord who was not yet born, sitting on the throne. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name, Jesus, will be called Wonderful Counselor. Do you need some counseling? Wonderful Counselor, his name shall be Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, There'll be no end to the increase of his government or... Oh, please, let me stop right there. Did you you hear what I just read? He saw this vision of Jesus, who's not yet born, and suddenly the Holy Spirit's making it very real to him. And one of the realities is this. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace. No end. As long as God is on the throne, as long as the angels are singing, holy, 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 the earth is filled with His glory, He is in charge, He is on the throne, and there will be no end to His government. None. That's why I'm not worried about the crazies in Washington. They're going to have their day, trust me. I don't know where you are politically, I don't care. I just want right, I don't want wrong. There will be no end to, To the increase of his government or peace, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, he'll establish it, he'll uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. That's what Isaiah saw. This is the result of the anointing that came after he saw what he saw. We want God to anoint us as a family. Then and, and with the anointing that God wants to place in our lives, we can walk out the door, we can talk to our neighbors, we can run down to the store, get a pizza, or get your gas. Wherever you run into people, and you can look at them and they can look at your cross. Your life is your cross, not this. They can look at the cross of your life and they'll see it purified. And they'll stop and talk to you. See, Rick, you got a minute? Yeah. And you'll begin to do the work that God wants done. The government will be on his shoulders. There'll be no end to Jesus' rule. This is what keeps me alive and well, and I mean that. He is on the throne. This is what's keeping me alive. He will stabilize everything according to his will. This is what I, I hang everything that I am and everything that I have on this, okay? Because I know he's in charge. New Hope, Rudy Greco, every one of you. We need to see God in all his glory. If we do, our lives will be changed forever. Our ministries, whatever they may be, will be anointed. That coal will hit our mouths and keep us pure. If he has to come back and hit us again, Nick, he'll do it. He'll do it. I won't do that. It's not my job. It's his. It's his because I've had my eyes open and now I see him and now I recognize him that he is the Lord of hosts. The King of glory. Our lives are going to be changed. The iniquities are gone. The sin is gone. We're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I say to you, God, here I am. And what do you say? I'm done. What do you say? God, here I am. Uh, God, here I am only when I have time. And I'm not trying to be funny here, nor am I trying to spank anybody. You know me better than that. I'm serious about what we're doing here, or I would not be here. God, what do you want? What's my job for today? I'm ready. Here I am. New hope. God, we're ready. Send us. Give us that powerful anointing. Give us this powerful church. And now we will begin to see what God sees. See, that's our problem. That's the problem in the ministry. Preachers go into an area and they say, oh, I see this, I see this. Uh, ha- have you figured out what God sees? What does God see in your life right now? Let me, let me be personal. Because every, every, everybody has something going on in their lives. You know that. Everybody has needs of one sort or another. It may be a physical need. It may be a mental need. It may be an emotional It doesn't matter. You have needs, I have needs. Please don't stop praying for me. I don't like walking in the apartment and finding nobody there. And I'm not crying. I'm not boohooing. And you don't like certain things that transpire in your life. And I'm not picking on you. What I'm saying is, are you going to let God run that coal up by your mouth and drain all that unpure stuff out of you? What you thought was good gold and it was just sitting around. God doesn't want us sitting around. God wants us doing something. God wants us loving each other. Am I going to agree with everybody all the time? No. Is Gary going to agree with, with me all the time? Absolutely. He doesn't dare disagree. Am I right, now? Huh? And you better agree with her all the time. I I know. I already know. I got the picture. But together, Gary, together, man. Together. Together, we're unstoppable, brother. Together with the anointing of God. Together, we give the old gold to God. And he purifies it and brings out something beautiful. And all of a sudden, he uses us to bring others walking through that door coming to the altar and saying, Jesus, I need you. That's what happened to you. You had to walk through the door. You had to come somewhere and say, Jesus, I need you. And that's why we're here. Amen? That's why we're here. And I want us to hang on to that. Don't ever let go of why we're here. Amen? Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. And we need you just like Isaiah did, just like Israel did. Nothing's different. We just need to see that there can be changes in our lives as we draw close to you, as we ask you, open up our spiritual vision so that we really see what you want us to see. Because that will change our lives. That will change our perspective in life. Father, I'm asking you to bless these good people. They came today because they want to be here. I thank you for that. I thank you for their love for me, for my son, and for the ministry. But more than that, Lord, I thank you because they love you enough to want to be changed, to to want to be purified, until we're serving you in such a manner that no matter where we are, we display the love of God. Help us to do that. Help us to do that. While we're heads bowed, you may be here this morning and you you have a personal need. I, just, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I, I can talk to you later privately, but I, I need to pray with you. Just raise your hand. There's something going on and you need some help. And I want God to touch you. Yes, I see your hands. Thank you, God bless you, both of you. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand here. Yes. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes. Yes. God wants to minister to you. Wants to open up your eyes to see how wonderful and beautiful God is and then he wants you to see that he looks at you and sees how wonderful and beautiful you are. Father, you saw every hand that was raised and you know what's going on. You know what takes place in our lives. And you know we need your help. Whatever these needs may be, Lord, whatever they are, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to step in with your hot coal of purification. The need is physical, heal it. If it's emotional, heal it. No matter what the need is. If it's financial, heal it. But let us know that you're the one doing the refining. For when it's done, we will sense a new anointing in our lives. Bless these good people. Strengthen them, I pray. We ask this in your precious and holy name. And everybody said, I will pray privately with you. I'm going to stay up here for a few moments. If you need to have me pray with you, I want to do that. I, I don't, you know, I don't embarrass you. That's not my job, but I want to pray with you. I understand we've got some goodies out here waiting for us. And we, I thank you. You need to know this, folks. You need to hear me. I thank God for you. You welcomed us back as though we never left. Thank you. Do you hear my heart? Thank you. And just keep praying. We'll just move forward. God's got to help me. God's got to help you. God's got to help us all. But he'll do that. If our eyes are open. Amen. So we've got some goodies. Please stay. And if I can pray privately, I want to do that. I'm going to stay. You're dismissed. God bless you. Any questions? Any questions? Okay. God bless you. Amen. Love you guys.